0: Light and darkness don't battle with each other. You flip the light on and darkness is gone, right? So darkness actually only exists in the vacuum of the absence of light. We're the light. We're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. If the people of God were to be full of faith in their heart, the very last thing we should do is run from evil, but run to the battle. I think some of us are worried that the light will get dirty if we get too close. Don't leave the world to the flies. Where's our faith at right now? That guy knows what he's talking about) I don't care. <laughs> I want to welcome you uh, this week, and I'm glad that you're here. Welcome all of our campuses, all of our friends, all of our visitors. Really appreciate you coming to our church, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, I think that you'll enjoy um, the message today. It's the start of a brand new series called Salt. In just a second, we'll go there. Uh, You might want to get your notes out. There's some fill in the blanks, so maybe you need a pen or a pencil. And if you use a device for it, that's great, too. While you're doing that, I want to share something real quick. I'm excited about this. Uh, I've talked about it in brief just a couple of times Um, But now it's kind of all come together. So I'm talking right now to the people that call JFC home. If you're visiting this morning, please just um, have a little patience. This isn't aimed at you, but this is for the people that call JFC home. I want to talk to you a little bit about our future and something that uh, is going on and how you can participate in it. First of the year, um, I really felt like the Lord uh, had put us in a position where we needed to start talking about planting churches. The number one way we win people to Jesus here is that we plant churches. Churches. If you're like, man, is that a good model? Let's go back and look at the Apostle Paul. All of his missionary journeys had one common denominator. No matter when he took them, in each city that he ended up at, he would plant a church so that after evangelism was done, there was a place for people to be able to connect and grow and multiply. And so the way that we do it here at JFC is that we plant churches. And we have four different campuses. Uh, While it's one church, it meets in different locations. We want to put another one in the Parker area. We've designated Parker simply because people that are driving more than 20 minutes, the bulk of those people that come to our church from more than 20 minutes away are coming from the Parker area. So we want to plant a campus over in the Parker area. So I got up the first of the year and just started talking about that. And I said, I felt like the Lord would do this. I didn't know the timing exactly, but I just wanted to start talking about it and getting some excitement there. So we moved on into the year. Here's the things that came together that were really interesting that I think are God factors for us and that I want you to, to be excited about this. Um, our office building and our Highlands Ranch location is right over off of Santa Fe and County Line, basically, just right there. When we, we leased that building, we owned this building, we owned the Lakewood building, that building we lease, but we put into our lease several years ago the option to buy the building. The option was for two and a half million dollars. That's a lot of money, and we just waited until it was time to exercise the option. Well, now's the time to exercise the option. So we went to our bank. And we said, "Hey, would you guys be interested in this?" They said we need to do an appraisal, so we had to have an official appraisal done on it. The building value came back at 3.9 million. We can buy it for 2.5. It's worth 3.9. That's a million and a half. Equity. So the bank got real excited and was like, hey, can we take you out to lunch? We'd like to get to know you better. So that's, it's kind of a funny relationship that banks all of a sudden, uh, you know, um, begin to have with you. Here, here's, here's where it gets really exciting. By doing this, um, we will cut our expenses $25,000 a month. We buy the building, we get a million and a half in equity, we own the building, which helps us long term as far as where the church is 10 years from now and 15 years from now, but we cut our expenses by 20 Five thousand dollars a month. I don't know about you, but if I could change, um, yeah, yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty big deal. That twenty-five thousand dollars allows us, without having to change our budget, to plan a campus. In fact, more than enough. It allows us to do that. Here's the part, though, that I want you to consider, and I have a challenge for you. And this is where I need all of our campuses to come together and help me do this. If you've ever bought a house, if you've ever gone into a deal uh, in any type of real estate, what the bank wants from you is they want to see a certain level of money beyond your expenses sitting unattached in your account to be approved for the loan. What we need, while we have several hundred thousand dollars in our account, that is, uh, it doesn't count against what our expenses are. So I've got to have $500,000, half a million dollars, unencumbered, sitting in our account so that when the bank closes the loan in October, that money is just sitting there. Now what will we do with that money after we get it? We will put it into the build out of the new campus. So the bank doesn't take that money, but it has to be in the account in order for the loan to be approved. Does that, does that make sense? I'm saying it as simple as I know how to say it. So I need to raise a half million dollars. My time frame on it, I need 60 days to do it. For a church of several thousand people, it's not that big of a deal, but I know you're sitting there thinking, why should I care about people in Parker? <laughs> I think that might be just a legitimate idea. What, what difference? And if, you go, if you're in Parker, you're like, I totally care about people in Parker. What if you live over in Highlands Ranch? Why? Well, let me just throw this out to you. It's not about necessarily even hearing the vision of our church. I don't even need you to necessarily like, be able to quote our vision of, of building churches and making disciples. Here's what I want you to get. We're all responsible, if you're a believer, we're all responsible for people coming to Christ. Do you agree with that statement right there? And we all at some point will stand before the Lord and give an account for that issue right there. I'm giving you the way that you can partner in people coming to Christ. Literally, whenever we plant a campus, that single year, hundreds of people come to Jesus. Over the term of of years, you're talking thousands of people, and as you participate, you are partners in that right there. What I'm trying to do is connect you to the idea it's not just simply about buildings. It's not simply about expansion. Look, you want to know my personal feeling? I want global domination. (laughs) It's my personal feeling. But I will take Denver if I can't get the world, okay? I'll take Denver. I'm giving you an opportunity to respond to be a part of this. I know not everybody can do the exact same thing. I know some of you in here could underwrite the entire project. My point simply is this. It's not that we all do the exact same thing, but it's that we all participate in it because the whole will be what we need to accomplish the vision and the goal in front of us. I want you to pray about it. Don't have any kind of a big fundraising campaign. No one's coming to your house. We won't sit and twist arms and uh, push, 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 push. I'll talk about it two or three times. I'm asking you, would you responsibly pray about this and see what God would have you do? If you already know, then go ahead and just commit to it. Make it happen, don't take your tithe and do it. This is giving that goes beyond taking care of what we have in front of us. This is offering is what it's called. If you have it in your heart that you want to do more, you want to participate, you want to go beyond, this would be a great time for you to do that. And in particular, for those of you who have ever approached me as a Pastor, when you have special projects, let me know. This is me letting you know right now. Be involved and help us accomplish this right here. It's going to be a great time great thing for us and we can do it all in such a wonderful way that just makes such common sense. So, hey, thank you for listening to me on that. Uh, I'll have a little more information for you next week. All right, let's jump back into this right here. Uh, It's a new series called Salt. We take it from uh, Jesus teaching that here's what the church is in the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light in the darkness. You're a city that's set upon a hill that can't be hidden. We're a beacon. We're we're what is supposed to be here for people to see the way and to understand God's purpose, plan, his love, his heart. He does it through the church. Matthew chapter 5 is Jesus actually, in his own words, talking to believers. Now, look, he said this 2,000 years ago, but in context, it's not just said to people 2,000 years ago. It's said to all believers, All time, any place it applies. And and here's, it's a familiar scripture, uh, if you know this part of the Bible. It just simply says, you are the salt of the earth. He's talking to believers. And then he makes this claim with it. If salt loses its taste or its purpose, this is important, how can it be made salty again? Again. It's no longer good for anything. Most translations stop kind of right there and say something to the effect of it's only to be thrown out. And the problem that I have with that translation is simply this. I don't think God ever treats us like he just throws us out. You agree with that right there. So I think you can misinterpret the scripture because I think a lot of people take it like, if we're not doing our job, God doesn't have any use for us. That's not true. What what I think the amplified here brings out really the meaning of the scripture. So if the salt loses its taste or its purpose, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people when the walkways are wet and slippery. Yes or no? That's a good Denver analogy right there. So here's what I think this scripture would be saying to us. If the salt doesn't fulfill its highest purpose, ultimately it will be used for lesser purposes. One way or the other, it gets used, but God doesn't want us to be used for lesser things. Man, he has a high call on believers to be the salt, to be the light, to be the truth that's set on a hill, and if we're not that thing, we end up doing lesser things with our lives. God hasn't called us to lesser things. He's called us to greater things. So my initial thought when I simply wrote this, I hear this from people all the time, just based on where the world is out today, where political situations are today, the pressure that is just, it's happening in our world, I hear these two things for people. People feel overwhelmed right now. A lot of believers just feel overwhelmed. I don't know how to respond to it. I don't know how to pray. What I really hear a lot of is people that feel so overwhelmed that they're actually discouraged and they're, they're, they're simply uh, in, a, in a position of just feeling so negative about the world. Let me Do you think God wants you to feel negative about the future? Just don't think that's, that's, he wouldn't call a salt, light, and a city on a hill if everything was going to hell in a handbasket. Okay. It's just, there's just, there has to be something else to it. So I know there's a lot of believers who feel very overwhelmed. I know there's a lot who feel like instead of influencing, they're being influenced. So I just, I guess this comes from the idea, it's a broad-based message, the first one, and we'll be more specific if we go Along, But just, I, I know people today are like, man, I, I don't know if I should speak up at all. And some people are like, man, I, we, just, we just need to speak everything all the time. So where's the balance? So I kind of thought, I know you may think this is silly, but I thought maybe this would be a good way to uh, maybe explain it. This is just a boiled egg. It's not that funny. I mean, it's just, a, <laughs> it's just a regular old egg. It's probably the most bland food that's out there by itself. It's pretty good food. I like them, it's got a lot of protein to it, good part of a diet, I mean it's by itself it's just, it's it's pretty cool, it's creative, but not a lot to it and it's very bland. The one thing you can do if you like them is to add a little bit of, you ever done that? Just a little bit, somehow brings out the taste of it. Uh, Pastor Amy last night said, you know, the problem with salt is if you put too much on it. It acts as a preservative, but it keeps things from ever becoming anything else. It kind of freezes them. Nobody wants it anymore. Can I just talk to you about salt for just a minute? You're the salt, and you're here in the right amount to bring out the best. But too much salt can cause people to reject it, yes or no. Now, what some of you just heard me say is that too much Jesus caused... No, Jesus isn't the salt. So let me... me, Okay, you're... um, Test group B over here, so I'm going to, they didn't respond. Jesus in the salt, you're the salt. Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree with that right there? It's too much of us. <laughs> not too much of Jesus, but too much of us. We have to be, you have to use wisdom, you have to understand what the days require, you have to know how to walk. It's not time to put your head in the sand and hold back, nor is it time just to be like, uh, you know, God doesn't need throw-up person on everybody either. He needs wisdom. So the question is just simply overwhelmed or influencing where you're at. Let me just quickly hit on politics. I am getting email like all the time. Pastor, I'm not gonna vote. Pastor, I'm gonna vote. Pastor, what are you gonna do? How many of you would like me to answer that question? I'll disappoint you today. You know, look, you need to understand. And I, when I said this last night, the problem is it's such a polarizing issue that it's, some will be like, he's this, and some will be like, he's... I've worked hard for 18 years to keep this pulpit from becoming politicized. I, I wish you'd clap over that right there. But I know some, of you, some of you are mad at me for that because I get the email, why won't you speak up? And then some think I speak too much about it. And my deal is I simply, my job was never to politicize for a person... I lift Jesus up here and I try to make that the first and the foremost. And here's the truth. In this church, it's not like it everywhere. Some churches you go to and you just know here's what the pastor is, here's what he believes and then they gather people around them that are like that. So this church is very conservative and it's a Republican church. And then you get a left-leaning person who's very liberal and that's what they believe and what they teach and so the people that gather around them are very much like that. Our church, I Just it's very eclectic. And because I have both in our church, I don't feel like it's ever been my position to sit and tell people, you've got to vote this way. I felt like my position was always to lift Jesus up first and foremost and then teach underneath that what to do. Now, some don't like that simply because they grew up and they want it to be politicized, and I've worked hard to keep it from being that. But let me just give you bigger thoughts and ideas today. I hear all the time people tell me, guys, it's just the worst time That the world has ever known. We're just headed into such dark times. It's just so terrible. So let me just give you a much bigger picture of the world and politics through the ages. Believers, people of God have had to deal with pharaohs. They've had to deal with Herods. They've had to deal with Caesars. They've had to deal with Nebuchadnezzars. As bad as you might think it is today, trust me, we do not have a Nebuchadnezzar. Some of you are like, you are wrong. I'm going to prove it to you. <laughs> Here's my point. Regardless of who's in charge politically, yes or no, the church is called to advance regardless of a political power structure, yes or no. Our thinking today has become so intertwined with what's going on political that the church has marginalized and sidelined itself because we think we have a political problem. We do not have a political problem in our country. We have a spiritual problem in our country. That is our problem. We have lost our way. We are thinking that the right politician will solve the problem for us, and it is misleading, misguided, mistaken, Thinking, we need a spiritual revolution in our hearts because you can't change the system without changing a heart. Amen. It's the heart that has to be changed. Amen. Some of you are like, he's preaching my message. You don't know what I'm saying yet. Hold on. <laughs> my cause, my banner would be a lion of the tribe of Judah that I would lift up. Here's what I would say to you. A thousand years from now, there will only be one banner flying and it will be Jesus's. Decide early where you want to end up when it all comes down. The church is called to advance regardless of power structure. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus talking to Peter. Peter, all of the 12 disciples believed that Jesus was there to change things politically. So don't know how aware you are of this, but they the disciples truly thought Jesus was there to restructure Israel politically, that he was going to push Rome out, that he was going to set up the theocracy that Israel always believed was coming, that that he was there to be that person. And then they argued amongst themselves, where's my position in in this political kingdom? Jesus would remind them often, it's not a political kingdom that I came, it's not a power structure that I'm here for, it's a completely different kingdom that right now you're not even aware of. So one day he's walking with Peter and he just asked the question, who do people think I am? And Peter actually gives him a political answer. Some think you're this person, and some think you're that person, and some think you're going to come and uh, put the kingdom back together. And then Jesus just goes right to the heart of no the matter. Who do you think I am? Peter, if you remember the answer, I mean, it's the most beautiful answer. Finally, Peter gets it, and he goes, you are the son of God. You are the Christ. You are the one the scriptures have foretold. And Jesus said, only God could have revealed this to you. And he congratulates them, and then he has this great statement And he says, "Uh, I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now the Catholics take that to be that upon the back of Peter, Jesus will build his church, the Catholic church, and the gates of hell won't stop the Catholic church. But that is not the meaning of this. In context, here's what Jesus is saying. When people get the revelation that I am the Christ and that my kingdom is not of this world, but it represents an eternal kingdom. If you'll get that revelation, you can build a kingdom that cannot be stopped By the gates of hell. That's the church that Jesus came to build. Not one that simply affects just this world, but it's an eternal principle that can change this world. So look, just different systems versus our system. Around the world, I get the great privilege of traveling to different places. In just a couple of months, I'll be back down to South America and Peru. Well, they have a form of democracy... Here's what I know to be true. You could look at our country and think to yourself, it is so bad today. It is still the best that ever has been. It is still the place that people want to get to, not run away from. This is the place. And so you could sit and find yourself complaining and being negative and ugly about it. It's still a great place. People tell me, I'm not going to vote. What a silly thing that is to say not be a perfect system, but here is the system that we have. We call it a democracy. It's a republic. Meaning that we don't vote on every law and majority wins. We elect people that vote on laws. Yep. They represent us. And if you decide not to be, participate and be a part of that, dude, then you don't have the right to complain about anything either. True that. Get a part of the process. Here would be the one thing I would tell you to do. Do not take the mindset, we got to make sure that they're all believers. That, that We are not called to do that. But you are called to make sure that they are moral. You can be a moral person and not be a believer. Yes or no? Yes. You better hope that's true because most of you have bosses that you need to be moral. Amen. True. Amen. You are duty-bound to find moral people. Look, I'm a pro-life person and I won't apologize for that. I'm not embarrassed about that. I searched out the scriptures. It's my personal stance on it. I think that life is precious. It doesn't matter how that life is created. It's precious. And after the fact, it's not enough to just say, Let, let's make sure they, they live. What, what do we do with them after? The church should be involved in that process. How they're clothed, how they're fed, how they're educated, we should be involved in it. I, that's me. I'm not embarrassed about that. I'm not shy about that. But it, it's not the, the, the agenda like, okay, you have to be a believer to believe that. You need to be a moral person to believe that. Now you can send me an email. Pastor Marcus at JFC. (laughs) Our particular system, man, you need to be, we're invited to be part of the process and while it wouldn't be this way across the centuries or everywhere in the world, it is for us and you need to be a part of the process. Here's my real question to you. I think that where people make the mistake is that they think if we could just change the system, then everything will be okay. And I would say the bigger issue, it, it's a heart issue. It's a heart level that has to be dealt with. And if you could work on the heart level, the thing would be, you would have a revolution, you would have a change, you would have a, there would be a justice that would come from the heart level that you could, you wouldn't have to legislate it. Right. Because it would be inside the heart, you couldn't stop it. I got a friend in our church, Um, business owner. I know this wouldn't be everybody's story. It's just a neat story and I thought it helps me unwind this, unpack it a little bit for you to understand. Uh, Here's how i describe my friend uh, James and Corrine Ruder. I've known them now for over 30 years. Um, He went to the same high school I did. He was a couple years younger than I was. Um, Smart, smart guy. Uh, His dad had started a business back in the 70s. When his dad um, began to step out of it and retire, James took over the business. The business really flourished. He's been a great supporter of our church. I think think he would have described it this way. I'm putting words in his mouth, but I think he would have said, okay, I'm a believer and I own a business. And so this part of my life, man, I really love God and I will use this to um, maybe help this, but they really are separate. I don't see them as being together because business is business and spiritual is spiritual. And I think in a large part, they lived the American dream. They did really well for themselves. If you looked at their lifestyle, you'd say they did well. A few years ago, um, I got him down to Peru. And I got him to see another side of the world that I don't know that he ever really understood. And he got connected to a bunch of orphans. And God began to change his heart. That's not, though, the real story. The real story is he comes back and he looks what God has put in his hands. And because God got so a hold of his heart, it changed the way that he saw his business. And then there was a news organization that a couple of weeks ago picked up on what he was doing and they wrote this story and I saw it and I asked him for permission to show it to you today so watch this and here's here's what I want you to remember change the system change the heart look at the difference when a person's hearts changed what can happen in the system watch this
1: L&R Palette Company makes a simple product but with a very important destiny these palettes transport most of what we use every day but they also serve an even greater purpose for second-generation business owner James Reuter.
2: We had a tremendous amount of turnover. We would go through years where we had three and four hundred percent turnover, and that means you're hiring six to 10 people a week trying to staff a place. we would reached a place in time where I felt this business couldn't grow, and it was from a staffing perspective. I couldn't, I, I couldn't see the possibility of expanding and taking on extra responsibility because we were, we were having a hard time getting people to come to the front door. At the same time as God is working on me and and tenderizing me, I decide to look at the refugee community as a possible source or a stream for employees.
1: From stagnation to a vibrant, thriving business that started with seven refugees from Burma to now 81, and they are loyal, grateful employees. I think it's safe to say this pallet company has a new purpose. It's people.
2: What we decided to do by pouring into the people actually turned out to show up on the bottom line. Um, not only did our culture change, but profitability changed. It was a, a moment in time where I felt God kissed me on the forehead as a, a child of his and just said, silly little boy, that didn't just happen. You know, these, this isn't coincidence, I have my hand on you, and there's a plan. And, and it was very exciting to start to see my relationship with him work that way.
1: Eleanor Pallet Company evolved into this factory of hope, filled with self-reliant, confident men and women who otherwise would be living in poverty.
0: I have been here about one year. I think about the opportunity, the boss, they give us an opportunity, they let us people from Burma,
2: so I love it. They pay a good money, so they give a good job. He's a good boss. A lot of times business owners want you to leave your problems at home, give you a hard day's work, and leave, and I used to be that way. But now we actually encourage them to bring your problems, and what don't you understand? What are you confused about? We bring in lenders and help them improve their credit, understand how to establish credit. We're helping them buy homes by um, getting them involved in the affordable housing programs here in Colorado. Um, we are fumigating their houses for them because they're in low-income areas where they've got different kinds of bugs and stuff. And, and these are ministry opportunities for us to go in and do something. So he takes care of us, people from uh, refugee camp, so we love him. I think about I'm I'm working here for 30 years, maybe more than that. What I started to do is pray to the owner of this company and say, Lord, bring to my company who you want to work here, who you want to have refuge. I feel very blessed that uh, the Burmese people have been introduced into my company. And I can go right outside my office door and impact families and lives and, and, and make a difference.
1: Reuter's father started this business in 1974. He had no idea it would become a place of refuge, producing more than these pallets, but people with hope. I'm Stephanie Riggs for CBN News in Denver.
0: Isn't that a cool video? Love that, man. I get, so you're sitting there like, I don't own a business, and Pastor, I, it's, it, it, it. When the heart just gets so consumed with God, you can't imagine. Look, we always think the bigger picture, Washington, D.C. or the, the governor's <laughs> office, if it would change at our level, it will change at those levels.
2: It's yes,
0: yes, so what God wants, man, for us. Draw a circle. You change and don't come out of it until that happens. Watch what happens. If you will change, if your heart will become consumed with the things of God, if you will allow that to, man, take over your family and take over your business and take over your, that thing is what's all, that's the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And sometimes the church is so, they, everything points, just like the disciples, physical, physical, that, if we could just get this, it'll fix all of this. You get this, and it'll change this. Let me just give you, look, just three levels I think a believer operates on. I, I didn't read this. I didn't hear this from somebody else. I just think that on a week-to-week basis, these are three things that I deal with that I have to constantly remind myself I'm dealing with these things and I have to think on three levels. That's the best way to say it. I have to think on three levels when I'm operating in this world. The first level, as a believer, I have to remember there's a greater kingdom, a greater kingdom at stake and involved. In John chapter 18, Jesus answered the disciples and says this, my kingdom is not of this world, If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight right now so that I should not be delivered up to the Jews to be crucified. But right now, my kingdom is not from here. You gotta remember, your job in this world, as believers, you reflect the reality of a greater reality. That's That's what you're here to do. You reflect the reality of a different reality. And that can only happen at a heart level. You can't stand up and tell people, church is great, you've gotta stand up and talk about how how great God is in your life. You reflect the reality of a greater reality. You've got to remember, behind everything that we're doing, man, there's a kingdom. God said it this way when he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a greater kingdom, our job. Listen, we're not here to get ourselves to heaven. We're here to bring heaven to earth. That was worth the price of admissions. Write that down. The second level that I think you've got to just operate on, you've got to think about, is this present kingdom? Let me talk about it real quick. You do live in the nasty na- now and now. You do go to work. You're raising a family. You're, you're, you're having to decide what it's going to look at. That's why it's important to be a part of it and not withdraw from it. Luke chapter 19. Jesus uses a parable to talk about people that deal in this present kingdom. Here's his... Uh, His encouragement to us, his advice to us. Here's what he wants us to do in his absence using this parable. He called ten of his servants together, delivered to them ten minas, ten amounts of money, ten talents, ten ten whatever that he gives us. And then he says to his people, do business until I return. Some translations say, occupy my place until I get back. Here's what God wants you to do. Do not withdraw do not be afraid, nor do you need to be the greatest Get involved. Put yourself in the middle of Listen, fight and stand up and be a part of it. Don't withdraw from it. Last one. Last one. Okay, the last level to think about that a believer has to operate on. There is an evil kingdom. In 1 John chapter 3, John the disciple writes this about Jesus. The purpose that the Son of God was manifested for was that he might destroy the works of the devil. Our job in occupying and in doing business until Jesus comes back is not just to make money here. It's not just to live a comfortable life here. You are here to tear down the works of the devil. How do you do that? Stand up for oppressed people. Give drinking water to people that don't have it. Give and become part of a project that spread the love of Jesus. Pray. Love instead of hate. Bless instead of curse. Forgive instead of hold on to anger. That's how you tear down the works of the devil. Reinforce the will of God. Act on it as a participant every day. Be a part of it, man. Don't sit back and allow the news to dominate your thinking that everything is so negative and so ugly and that you just simply respond suddenly out of a frustration. Be the person that leads. Folks, are you hearing me? Wake up. We have the chance to be the light and the salt and a city set on a hill. What will it take? What will it take? This isn't a heaven-hell thing, by the way, either. Your salvation's not wrapped up in this. Your salvation's wrapped up in what Jesus did for you. But heaven will never come to this earth. The kingdom of God will not advance unless the people of God, the, the devil is not sitting around thinking, how do I bring the kingdom of God to earth? And people that don't know God don't ever even think about it. Only his people have the chance to think about it. So maybe you think, ah, pastor, you're on a soapbox. Whatever, 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 the church must advance. People of God need to rise up, man, and shine like never before. Look, if it is getting darker, then it's time for the light to shine brighter. If it is going the wrong way, then who's going to show the right way? So I just call you to that, call you to that. Father, we love you. God, I want to give time for people to be able to hear the Holy Spirit and to respond to what you would say to them. Lord, I know that people are going to hear this message for many different ways. There's things that uh, the filter in their heart is going to take this message and categorize it in certain ways. And if you go to our church, and this is the place where you found a refugee and, and a refuge and home, and you're just like, man, it's the place I've discovered and recovered so much of the promises of God, then I want to challenge you with this a little bit further today. What does God want to do with that discovery and with that recovery? What does God want to see happen in your life and in the world around you? So I get that some of us are just like, man, I'm just trying to make it right now. And I'm just trying to get my family through. May, 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 God, may God bring you beyond just survival. May God bring you beyond just day-to-day living. May he really open your eyes to something that is eternal and something that is, is forever. May you get the idea that it matters what you do here and right now because it matters in eternity. May you remember that as you live your day-to-day life and you hold on to God, the opportunity to tear down the works of the devil, man, they're always before us. What an honor to be able to fight on that side of the battle. Let's pray that the Lord would speak these things deep in your heart, man. I know for some of you, you're so full of fear right now and so full of doubt and just negative about everything around you. I would just say to you, maybe, um, maybe the 5 o'clock news should not be the number one source of how you decide where the world is going. Maybe your number one source of information should be what God is saying, what God is speaking, and what God is calling us to. I would just ask you, man, if you're not full of faith, do you really think you're walking in the place that God wants you walking at? If you're full of fear and doubt and unbelief, I would tell you you've succumbed to simple lies of the enemy and that God wants His people to be people of faith. I want people to be full of His thoughts and His promises and His direction. That doesn't mean you're some Pollyannish person who only sees good you can be well aware that there's evil in this world you can be well aware that things certainly are setting themselves up in a very unusual way you can be well aware that it points just like Jesus said to his return but in the meantime how then should we live what would God say to us about that I pray that we'd be people of faith people of strength people of peace I pray that you wouldn't take this message and simply just file it away as more information, but that it would enter into the heart and change the heart. I pray you'd be consumed with Jesus more than ever. And I pray that now in his name. Amen. And amen.